Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori. It's a Brother, Brother podcast today. And we're talking about Jeff Tweedy, his fantastic new memoir, its accompanying solo record, and his long career. You can now listen to episodes on the Brother Pod app, which also gives you access to additional new music, music news, clips, and content that we curate for each episode. It's also a place where you can interact with us directly through the talkback feature. Ask us questions, make suggestions, and voice your own opinions. Just search Brother Pod in the App Store to download on your mobile device. As always, you can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's talk about the long and storied career of Jeff Tweedy. Uncle Tupelo, Wilco, Jeff Tweedy, Tweedy, and others in his fantastic new book. Let's go so we can get back. Brother Podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and today we are talking about Wilco, Jeff Tweedy. Uh, Jeff Tweedy on the heels of his excellent new memoir, um, Let's Go So We Can Get Back, uh, a phrase borrowed from his father, and uh, his new solo record uh, that Jerry has put a lot of time in with uh, um, this past... Was, yeah, titled Warm. Yeah, since it was uh, released. And uh, it's Jeremy and I today, Jeremy Sartori and I, and we are... Well, first, let's talk about the book. Um, it was kind of unexpected, and or at least from my uh, end, I didn't realize it yeah, was in the works. I didn't hear a lot of pressers on the book until you actually texted me about it, and I wasn't sure even if it was a book that Tweedy had written himself or that... Uh, was a biography or what was going on, you know? So give a, give a little background well, on how, how I you, would got, tell you to, having finished it, got it in your hands. I, having finished it, um, he most definitely wrote it himself. Um, it is a very unfiltered, very conversational, uh, very first-person account of his life and his career starting from go. I mean, starting from his early days in Belleville as a as an anxious child and uh, running all the way through his current state, which, uh, you know, I can report sounds a lot better than most of the stations a along the way. adult. Yeah. He's a, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting story, and there's a lot of, um, you know, I mean, part, it's partially a recovery memoir. It's partially a musical memoir. It's partially um, a Midwestern boy memoir. Um, it sort of covers all the bases, but... There is very much of a uh, if there if there there's no such thing as a fourth wall in a book, but uh, it's it's very much directly written for you. It is um, it's a firsthand account of his life, which which you know his musical career starts very early. I mean, there was no didn't seem like there was a whole lot of uh, thought of going to college. He's been in a band with he was in a band with Jay Farrar and Jay Farrar's brothers Wade and Dade. Um, from 14 onward and um, you know as he says he married and I'm, I'm hopscotching timelines here but he married uh, Susie Miller who owned, who owned Lounge Axe uh, when he was in his late 20s I believe and she was in her late 30s um, and at, to that point he had never written a check in his life he never had a bank account you know typical musician stuff so you know sort of it's there is a sort of, and well, there's a. Let me go ahead. Interject real quick, when I mean, just for our listeners' sake, anybody who's been living under a musical rock may not know, but uh, you know, Jeff Tweedy, obviously the frontman of uh, Wilco, um, you know, a very successful independent American rock band, and then uh, formerly a co-member of, of Uncle Tupelo, a very popular and cultish, uh, you know, um, band that kind of kicked off an, a, a whole scene with all country and no depression. Um, and so, you know, just when just finishing this book and taking us through a bit of a timeline here, but 
I guess like some of the things that that I'd love to kind of kick off are you know I think there's probably some landmark stakes in the ground for this guy's life so starting a band early on being a musician his whole life and then you know having I guess underground success or not too much success but cold following with Uncle Tupelo that had to have been kind of a a large portion of the book or or give me the rundown it was interesting the evolution of Uncle Tupelo is sort of it was two guys who sort of uh, discovered um, you know American roots music country music uh, simultaneous to uh, discovering punk rock Uh, they were freshmen in high school classmates and you know, sort of started a band together by listening to records and trying to emulate what they heard and then ultimately playing out. Um, Tweety's family, very... So not a college rock band. This was a high school school project. And, um, you know, Tweety's mom, uh, Tweety's parents being very supportive, uh, um, you know, having their own level of dysfunction as anybody does, but his mother literally rented halls for them, uh, was a ticket collector, uh, sold merch, the whole bit. They became Uncle Tupelo. I don't know if you know this story, but they became Uncle Tupelo um, as a sort of joke, as a lot of uh, young bands take their names from inside jokes. But they basically, Uncle Tupelo was a character that their friend had drawn in a book, which was their imagining of uh, Elvis Presley, who was from Tupelo, Mississippi, had he not become famous and just became a guy with a barca lounge in a trailer drinking uh, <laughs> racks of beer all day long so it was sort of a fat unemployed not having discovered fame Elvis and that's where they took their name from that's where and the, and the character was called Uncle Tupelo nice that's uh, I did not know that story and uh, you know I think like you um, I came to Uncle Tupelo a little later than most folks so I actually discovered them through both post-mortem uh, bands the uh, Sunvolt from Jay Farrar who was the co-founder and then um, Wilco, obviously, as well, who we're talking about today yeah. with Jeff Tweedy. Well, the funny thing is he, and we I, were always trying to figure out sorry. what place in the world Uncle Tupelo had because their reputation has grown so much since their breakup. And basically what it was, and you know, I can sort of uh, confirm this now, is um, they were on the precipice of becoming big. Uh, they were about, about to break big, and uh, Jay Farrar pulled the plug um, with about three months to go in their final tour and said, I'm not doing this anymore, uh, not with you. And uh, it was pretty acrimonious. Uh, they were signed to a major label. There was a lot of effort being put into them. Um, they were just starting, again, to, you know, to they were opening for major acts. They were uh, just about to start their sort of... They're critically they're acclaimed. They're cresting into fame. And... and uh, it became an untenable relationship. Uh, so Jay Farrar, who was the classmate, um, goes off and becomes Sunvolt. Uh, uh, Jeff Tweedy becomes Wilco with the remaining members of Uncle Tupelo. And uh, there was a lot, you know, I mean, they, they didn't become untethered. I mean, they didn't become, you know, unbound at that point. They... They kept. They both stayed on the same label. They both had the same A and R guy. They both basically had the same infrastructure business wise, and so the idea of pitting them against one another was inevitable. Uh, even the people who were working for them were sort of pitting them against one another. And the A and R guy made the sort of unforgivable mistake, as far as Jeff Tweedy's concerned, of. Um, saying that Wilco's AM, which was, you know, I don't know that he'd admit that, still, but there's a lot of in, uh, intimation on his part that, you know, it was their sort of, it was their Training Wheels album. They, they said they basically, they were writing an Uncle Tupelo album without the balance of Jay Farrar's songs, which were very different from, or at least his vocals, very different from Tweety's, um, without that as a ballast. So... Uh, the A and R guy basically said, "A, um, you know, made the comment that AM, you know, really sets up uh, the release of Sunvolt's Trace very well, uh, which is a real slap in the face, I guess, and it was taken that way." Yeah. So, a couple questions. I mean, just you having fresh off the book and, and me being, you know, in the in the beginnings of of one reading the book. 
And uh, I apologize to our listeners, too. I'm, I'm stuck out in Oakland. Wyndham's in Boston recording, and uh, I am doing this off of my computer. So if the sound quality is poor, apologies. Blame but, Oakland. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, definitely blame Oakland. Um, it's it's in- always been interesting to me. It's kind of like the, you know, the team Angelina or the team, you know, Jen uh, – thing with these guys i mean there's very much a fandom for both and i still to this day meet folks that are like ah, i just always like sunvolt you know i always like jay ferrar i always like you know will go better or whatever and it was almost like you couldn't like both right it's like the uh the five guys and the um in and out shake shack yeah. argument you know in and out burger exactly and so I mean, did, does Tweedy in the book go into some details on, on what that was like to experience, you know, constantly being, it had to have been some competitive. I wish, I uh, wish he had done more of that. There's, there's definitely that, um, a little bit of some restraint, that recovery, um, tinged, um, Hey, this was a really important time in my life. It was miserable, but I forgive everybody kind of. Um, right. And so, you know, he makes amends a little bit. Um, you know, he certainly uh, is very supportive of J4 without ever. I mean, and this, I think, is very telling without ever actually. I'm not 100 percent sure he even name checks the album, nor does he right. uh, reference any music by that the other band. So those gotcha. are two pretty you know, fairly obvious conscious decisions. Again, I think that speaks to the Midwesterner, um, you know, the sort of uh, swallow the swallow the anger uh, kind of, um, you know, um, uh, inclination he has. Uh, so to be, you know, to be honest, I mean, I think when Trace came out, um, I thought it was a far superior album to AM. I think everything that oh, Jeff Tweedy's done since has been superior to some and I never really felt like I needed to take a side because like you I had come I mean I had heard you know songs off Anodyne I you know sort of was aware of of the band I always knew when they were coming through I never really listened to them that much until after the fact but I didn't feel the need uh, the need to be team Angelina or team Jen uh in that regard I you know I was sort of post uh, I was sort of post pit. <laughs> yeah, and I think for folks probably who exactly folks who who were big Uncle Tupelo fans, you know, there's always that hard chip of seeing you know two sort of people that you have an imagination about as being you know songwriting partners and friends, and you know the kind of fantasy there breaking up, and then that's you know kind of what happened. And you know, I agree. I think Trace was an amazing album, and Trace is actually what actually got me into Uncle Tupelo, mm-hmm. and and what got me into Wilco for all of all things. So, um, you know, and and then you know, I, I like AM, but that was I vividly remember listening to AM and just being like, it's Man. you know, I've gone back, and it's it's a good album, but it, it's not certainly their best, and and Trace is is you know Ferrar's best. So, you know, you, you kick off from there. What I would say is one of the kind of most interesting and and. Uh, and successful, really independent rock careers ever going, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think it, I mean, so it's, it's uh, what happens if next? Christian was here, he could tell us what kind of grid or, or chart that is that, you know, sort of starts <laughs> at an inflection point and then goes in other opposite directions. I mean, Sunvolt is basically playing this exact same venues. It was playing, um, when they broke cause they were, it was a bigger album. It was a better album. And then, you know, Wilco has had this sort of, Ascent into, you know, really, when you can call it a cult following, but it's a big cult. Um, they, you know, they've and they've done certain things, uh, much the same as Pearl Jam did, to sort of, uh, to you know, sort of retake the control from the record industry, who they had difficulty with and who was a thorn in their side. They've built enough of a following where they can kind of plan their own tours, book their own gigs be their own business and uh tony margarita who is wilco's manager who was also uncle tupelo's manager um who interesting that he went with wilco post it, it is i is think there... though that you know given the fact that the entirety of uncle tupelo besides jay farrar went um to that side i, I think it speaks to the fact that jay farrar wanted a clean break and or that um, you know Jeff Tweedy seems like a more magnanimous person, even though he can be a little prickly. Um, 
Tony Margarita uh, has since sort of built an industry uh, around Wilco, um, you know, with Solid Sound and, and their touring. Um, their releases that they own their own record company um, at this point, and it's um, you know it's it, it's funny you you said something the other day, which is that you know Wilco suffers the same fate as Spoon in a way because of just how consistent they've been over the years. No, totally. It's a band that um, <clears throat> well, I mean, kicking off with being there, <clears throat> Summer Teeth, the Billy Bragg records. Um, multiple lineup changes really and and you know still kind of maintaining a sound it's a band that I, I weirdly and I you know kind of hate saying this um, they're almost like a Grateful Dead without the you know I mean there isn't that rabid cult following like you said it's an enjoyable crowd that likes you it's know, the right music. size of crowd but, but yeah they're very American too in the sense that like they've always been an American rock band to me. They have, uh, you know, obviously some, you know, roots in, in country, but they experiment and, you know, have um, always kind of en- engulfed all of the different kind of aspects of, of what American rock has been. And in, weirdly, in, in our, our very weird poster children for that, you know, it's a, like it's an un... It, probably the Midwestern thing, like you said, it's like an inverted ego band, too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not... They're not flashy at all. Yeah, and, and they have gone. I mean, part of the you know part a lot of the the narrative in this book is you know walking through the lineup changes. Um, given the fact that Jeff Tweedy has essentially been a professional musician since he was 15 years old, um, you know, so all personnel, even if you you know take away the the titles, the monikers of of the various bands, I mean, it's basically been. His evol- it's basically his evolution through a series of musicians, and in this case, you know, starting off with Uncle Tupelo, moving on to Wilco, its original um, four-piece, uh, uh, or its original, you know, yeah, its original four-piece uh, makeup, yeah. and then its second Quick question. Uh, four-piece makeup after A.M. Jay Bennett joins the band, and um, Jay Bennett makes a huge difference musically and creatively with with Jeff Tweedy, another person with whom he ultimately has a, a troubling end, but also extremely complimentary and and uh, devotes a lot of time and and uh, ink to the amount of uh, the amount that Jay Bennett pushed him. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to ask because I mean I think the other piece of Wilco is in Tweedy in a sense has been. And this is complete outsider. You've obviously just been in his head. But, um, you know, I've always kind of thought of it almost as two chapters of a band. Like you have, um, obviously, AM kicks off Uncle Tupelo. But he always sort of had a side man to some degree, mm-hmm. right? So even, um, you know, Glenn Kochke, the drummer on the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, seemed to be the side man on the next chapter. Um, and, you know, earlier Jay Bennett. And, and Jay Bennett really transformed that band, I would say. So... I think sometimes Jeff Tweedy didn't get enough credit, and I think today you really see how how it is his band, it is his sound. But he's also good at curating and grabbing other people that that enhance that yeah. sound. So, does, I mean, did he kind of get yeah, into that? It, it, it's not too. It's not. I mean, just to you know, because I have been inside the mind of of Jeff Tweedy for the past couple of days. Um, it's it's really uh, you know more like five chapters than two. Um, you know you had, yeah. but it, I think you always was reliant on a collaborator, but less a collaborator than somebody who pushed him. Um, I think you know he was always going to be making music. He was always going to be writing music, but I think somebody who goaded him to to take chances was an important piece of of what he always needed. Not he, he was mo- self motivated. But I think he was influenced and needed an influence to sort of, or even maybe a competitor. I don't know. Um, it's never billed as that um, for in the retrospective eyes of a 52-year-old man. But it probably at the time, I think, was more competitive. I think, so you had the Jay Bennett arrow. Jay was uh, recruited from another band um, into Wilco. It became the... Uh, Sturat Coomer, um, Ken Coomer being the drummer, uh, Jay Bennett, Jeff Tweedy for... Um, and those albums were being, being there, there Summer, Summer Teeth, and, and Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Billy Bragg. Yeah, you're right, that's right. Um, Glenn Kachi comes in 
and um, to do overdubs on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. And uh, again, an unceremonious departure of Ken Coomer, the original drummer, um, which is one of uh, Tweedy's great regrets and and one of the more uh, noted apologies uh, that was conveyed in this book. Um, you know, another time where he sort of handled an interpersonal relationship um, in, a, in a sort of uh, clumsy way. But, uh, you know, it, and then um, what happens is... Uh, and this is a spoiler, but it's it's also just an enticement to read the book um, because this is a very very rudimentary Cliff Notes version. Um, around the time Sam Jones comes in to shoot the documentary, I'm trying to break your heart. Um, Jay Bennett becomes very conscious of the camera and very um, you know really tries to sort of distinguish himself with um, you know rather crappy results, uh, kind of instigates, kind of does, you know, what the foil does on a reality television show, um, kind of stirs the pot, talks, you know, and, and so I, th- I think it was almost that documentary happening that... That ended that, that relationship. Really kind of, well, brought that relationship to a head, certainly. Um, and so he was uh, asked to leave following that episode. Also, you know, this is a peak era of prescription drugs we uh you know tweet even tweety's uh, addictions are kind of uh um atypical he quit drinking at 23 permanently and then struggled with uh, opioids and and prescription uh drugs not that that's an unusual circumstance but generally speaking uh you know it comes in concert with a lot of other kinds of partying this was uh straight ahead Opiate, opiate use and again having told himself because he comes from a family of alcoholics that uh, alcohol isn't the problem um, he, he's able to sort of uh, fool himself into uh, um, believing that this singular dependence on on Viking and painkillers is not as uh, acute as it, it ultimately becomes well, let's take a quick break and then we'll uh, we'll follow Jay into um, rehab and uh, and then the post Bennett Kurt Wilco chapters. Welcome back to Brother, 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 and uh, it's Wyndham and I today talking about one of our favorite artists, Jeff Tweedy, and uh, his career with Wilco, and uh, also, you know, um, having his book just come out, which when we're doing a little bit of a review on, and then there's also a companion piece, uh, the solo album, his first kind of true solo album of, of originals, um, or it is his first solo album of originals, and uh, it's a companion piece of the book. And how do we get from Yankee Hotel Foxtrot to the new solo album Warm, which I'm enjoying quite a bit? Well, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, tell us a little bit about the album, because I haven't really dug deep into the album. I've heard maybe three or four songs um, that sound, and there's a, you know, it, it, uh, again, this is a sort of roundabout way to get to it, but, um, you know, they, they sound great. They sound as confessional and as honest as the book, and I think that was intentional. But tell me what you you know, tell me without having read the book, what your thoughts are on the album, and then I'll tell you how we got there. Yeah, so you know, my first impression: a, I'm a fan, so yeah, it's 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 not hard for me to enjoy something that this guy's done. I think you know, you touched on it before, and we were having this conversation aside from this pod. Just that you know, I, I think consistency sometimes dumbs down the appreciation of how good 
of the songwriter and how good of a you know band Wilco has been. Um, and, and Jeff Tweedy is very much the central point of that. So, you know, I actually wasn't expecting too much out of the solo album, and uh, and liked the singles. Kind of they caught my ear, and you know, kind of went into it. But, you know, you're right. I think having talked to you more about the book and, and getting into the book myself here, it is very confessional. And it's also very confident and very content, which are two things that, you know, a guy who's had a really good career is obviously being reflective and uh, is 51 now. Is that correct? 52, 52, 51. Yeah. yeah, is, you know, I think pretty comfortable with himself. And, and the you know, the first song, Bombs Above, kind of opens up with that sort of a declaration of, you know, just statements and, and, uh, <clears throat> and, you know, of, of not needing to be, you know, not needing to be loved and not needing to be, um, you know, sort of taken for what he, you know, emotionally and things like that, but offering those things and goes into, you know, some birds and don't forget, which is a great kind of twangy, um, Wilco-esque song that has, you know, really catchy lyrics. Um, I don't know, you know, I think the thing about this record is, Tweety on his own is going to be a little less bombastic, so you're getting less rock. It's obviously a solo record, but it's far from a just Tweety on an acoustic guitar, um, you know, kind of recounting, you know, emotional lyrics. It's sonically, it's great. Um, you know, it's got catchy tunes. I really love the single I Know What It's Like, um, where he just repeats, I know what it's like, I know what it's like to not be loved. And uh, it's a great you know, great catchy tune, and that I think Tweedy played most of the uh, instrumentation. His son plays drums, and then Glenkowski plays some drums as well. But he um, he just cuts a song off when he wants to here, and I think it's weird. It gives it, it gives him almost some freedom to not expand. And to, you know, I think in Wilco these days, especially, he has so many great musicians around him, um, and you know, they have a tendency to kind of expand out on the sound and because they're able to and I think here you get kind of really a boiled down essence both lyrically and musically it's not uninteresting musically he definitely you know there's some songs that that have some you know the red a song titled red brick is actually pretty um you know almost math rocky but it's short and when he's done he's done and it's I, I think that's the coolest thing about this record i'm actually really impressed with it i know it's getting pretty good reviews out there as well or very good reviews actually is one of the better albums of the year and uh you know two that kind of stuck out to me i think you know i read stereo gum and pitchfork post listening to the album and i think the the one thing that stereo gum kind of pointed out was just you know will we remember this album and you know the future because he puts out so much good stuff. Will it be something that marks, you know, has a mark in, in the kind of catalog? And after, you know, actually pre this post, bright and early here in, in California, I took a spin just through the album, start to finish again. There's not a bad song on it, and I'm gonna say, yeah, you will remember this one. It's, it's. I think it's a really, I think it's one of his best pieces of work in the last few years. It's really good. Well, it's funny. Uh, I just listening to you describe the album. You've just described the book. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a series of personal, uh, choices musically, but it's a, it's a the sort of culmination of a lot of personal history, which is, um, you know, both of his parents passed away, um, during the past five years. Um, he's sort of come to terms with the fact that, you know, he's lived a, a, a charmed life and a child's life for a long time. His wife suffered a, a second bout of cancer that was um, very frightening, very serious. So this is his, uh, almost his becoming an adult man and, uh, you know, sort of taking um, stock of the fact that he's, he's required uh, to shoulder the responsibility that often, um, you know, the, the, he was nurtured. Um, for a long time by a lot of people because of what he does and because of the lifestyle he has. And now it's his turn to be the, uh, to be the rock. And part of, uh, you're hundred percent right about the, um, about the music on the album. He decided to strip it down <clears throat> somewhat consciously, but as he says, he's a pretty competent guitarist and bass player at this point, but he plays all the instruments, on this and those limitations kept the song simpler 
Um, the fact that he doesn't play drums often and doesn't do keyboard parts often, um, and I don't know what the extraneous instrumentation is, but he basically said, you know, I, I can write a song, but I, it, it, that the limitations of my abilities on other people's instruments basically kept it simple. And and also yeah, it actually drew a great result. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of my favorite things about the album, and and I think one of my favorite things about I mean, I, there's you know it's it's that tease where you really are like a song, or you know, a song could get worse. Yeah, that's <laughs> Either true. Either way, it, but he, it he goes does, out. He does say right you know I've got these magicians around me, like Pat Hanson and and uh, Nels, yeah, Klein, Nels Klein, and, and I can say, you know, what's the best uh, fill here, or what's the best you know, piece that we could do here. And in this case, he, he took that, um, he took that, uh, tool out of his, uh, arsenal, uh, if I can mix a metaphor. And, um, uh, he, you know, this is what you're left with. And, and I think having written, just written this book and, and probably simultaneous with writing the album, obviously, um, you know, it's, it's a very stripped bare, very honest assessment of what, who he is and what his life is like. Yeah, and I think you definitely touch on some of, I mean, you know, and obviously you can read into people's lyrics, and I'm sure he talks about that in the book, um, considering that, you know, he's one of our better lyricists today, but like, uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's fair to say that you definitely, you know, he talks about it, you know, addiction on the album, <clears throat> talks about a lot of the things that you just touched on. Death is a huge theme in the album, so having his parents die and his wife being sick um, obviously impacted that as well, and uh you know, I, I, yeah, I, I very much urge you to you to dive into it a little more. I know you were you were you were diving in the book as I was diving in the album, and then um, it will definitely go on my list for the end of the year. That's great. Well, speaking of lists, um, you know, I I think you know rather than do a formal uh, you know ranking of every out piece of uh, material that Jeff Tweedy has ever put out, I think. You know, I mean, it's, I I had a I was thinking about doing this, um, you know, sort of ranking of albums, and and I'm still open to doing that. But frankly, the 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 you know the the fifty percent um, I can rank my favorites pretty easily. It's the ones that are, you know, the other ones that are that are really good that I don't, you know that I've always liked but not you know embraced as much. I, I kind of feel like there's they're just like they're all sort of huddled together. Like I, I, I could, you know, I, how do I rank Wilco, the album versus the whole love versus star Wars versus, <laughs> right. um, yeah. And that's that consistency issue. I mean, it's funny. I think too, you know, and I, I'll just say for me, you know, and I think when to some degree, this band came right when I was, you know, I got into this band when I was 18 years old. They were yours. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I just moved to Austin. I saw them on their last night of the Being There tour, and it blew my socks off. And uh, that included, uh, you know, a Jeff Tweedy in a witch hat, witch hat falling off the stage, and like one of the most painful landings I've ever seen, um, which seemed to wake him up maybe out of his opiate stupor because they then went on to, to you know, play all night, including you know, Black Flag covers and, and classic rock covers, which was a lot of fun. But um. But yeah, on to I've seen them with the, the new lineups and Nels Klein, and, and then I always take their albums for a spin. So I agree, yeah. I mean, how do you want to do it? We were talking about like kind of ranking albums. Should we call out just some of the highlights? Or yeah, I mean, I just we, what's your favorite Wilco album? It's tough to say, um, but I I tend to go, go back to Summer Teeth the most. Um, I think it's the album. I mean, I love Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. I I really love. Um, you know that, I, and I, I've come to really love being there too. It's just an album that kind of hit me at the right time. But um, and I know this is early Wilco, and I love Ghost Was Born. Ah, it's a home run. But um, <clears throat> Grand Slam. Sorry, but you know I think with Summer Teeth, that's when I knew this band was different for me. So you know there was the all country scene. I was you know had gotten into actually they were like Grand Parsons. When and I did an episode on Grand Parsons and being a gateway to country. I was living in Texas at the time. I think Wilco too was, a, or you know, a little bit of a gateway for me. I got into the, some of the Uncle Tupelo records post here in Sunvolt and Wilco, and um, and then it opened my mind up to that. And then for them to come out with like a really lush pop record, mm -hmm. um, which I think was very much influenced by Jay Bennett, um, or pushing Jeff Tweedy, and you know, not to give him too much credit, but like uh, 
It it was great. I mean, it, it was just that that's my sweet spot for music, to be honest, is that sort of power pop and that, you know, kind of psychedelic pop. And they nailed it on that record. And I, I still think it's a record I can I mean, a lot of the records you can pop on start to finish. But that record in particular just makes me happy. Yeah, it's funny. I, I remember um, seeing Wilco, I think, on Summer Teeth tour. I'd seen them before a couple of times, but I remember seeing them on that. I think it was Summer Teeth. I don't. Um, and Beulah opened, and it was uh, you know it was a perfect companion piece because Beulah I think is one of the great overlooked bands, um, you know in terms of pop sensibility and just in terms of you know excellent music. Uh, they put out a bunch of great albums, and it was a perfect pairing for me. But I made everybody who I made go see Wilco at the time, who were fairly unheralded and, and among people who don't you know, pay that as much attention to music as I do. I think I took about 10 of my friends to see Wilco, but I was like, we have got to get to the opening act because Beulah's going to blow your socks off. But that Summer Teeth record really falls in with what was going on in sort of the Elephant Six uh, at the same period, you know, with Neutral Milk Hotel, who who Wilco played with also. Um, You know, all that sort of... uh, Robert Schneider, Beach Apples Boys, and Stereo, yeah. Beach Boys Obsessed, um, you know, pop, uh, majest, studio majesty. I think, um, you know, that was, that's a really big one for me. I do ultimately think Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is their best album. Um, yeah, and I could actually agree with you there. I think my favorite is Summer Teeth, and I think Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is their best. And Ghost is Born is really run up the it took me about four years to or maybe a couple years after the the album came out because i didn't love it at first and i kind of put it away and this is again you know speaks to the sort of technology involved in listening to things it was a cd i had that you know i I listened to and it didn't resonate in the way that yankee hotel foxtrot did so i kind of just put it on the shelf because there's plenty of other good stuff to listen to and i came back to it uh through a couple songs that uh, really, um, you know, just came up randomly like handshake drugs and and uh, theologians, um, and just dug into the album. You know, probably and it was a, four years after it came out, and fell in love with it. Yeah, I remember you. I think you might have been out in LA at that time, and and um, I, it's funny. You know, I think it was a classic sort of build up an audience, um, have a lot of hype around Yankee Hotel Foxtrot as being, you know, a classic album the minute it came out, which it, it really is, and then have a sparse, you know, um, sort of depressing, you know, it's not that depressing when you go back and listen to it, but a very sparse and, and kind of different sounding album right afterwards, which I think, you know, so many artists tend to have that hangover, but um, it's, also, it's not I, a hangover it album, it for- it, it's a... Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. It's, a, it's also the, you know, it was a changeover album. It was yeah. a new band. Yeah, exactly. It was a new band. Also, Jeff Tweedy entering rehab and, and recovering from pill addiction. Actually, that's um, after. Okay, yeah, well, I, actually, you're right. That is after. Which that album, I think, you know, blatantly kind of feels like an album <laughs> of somebody who's under the thumb of something. He said he was trying and, to write um, a suicide note, basically. Yeah, and you go back and, and listen to it, and, and I, I can see that. And then there was kind of like a, the rebirth, so that muddled together uh, mismatch. There's only really one album I don't like, and I like songs more than now than I did when it came out. But it's uh, Sky Blue, Blue Sky. Sky Blue. Yeah, and it's it's kind of their like jam band album to me. I, I have a sneaking it's, suspicion at some point in my life I'm going to revisit that album and, and be like, what the hell did it was I thinking? You know. Well, it's funny. I've heard songs live, and this happens a lot with Wilco, too. They're, they're you know, one of those bands, I think, kind of like, and I hate to say it again, like the Grateful Dead, even though the albums we all name-checked are, are great albums for me to listen to. But if you do have somebody who's a non-believer, there's been many times I've taken somebody to a Wilco show who didn't dig what I was playing on the record player or on the CD player at the time or whatever, who, after the show, loved them. Yeah. You know, and then I also think there's a huge group of people that get into them at different points like you and I were obviously early not as early as Uncle Tupelo fans and things like that but but on an early wave and then you know I had friends who Ghost is Born was their entryway mm-hmm. you know and they were like oh my god this sounds amazing like and they started following Wilco after that the funny thing that, that uh, occurs to me because you, you made the Grateful Dead 
um, parallel multiple times, and, it, and it, it's very fitting. It's not that it's not fitting. It's the funny thing is, though, that I have seen interviews where Jeff Tweedy's like, I fucking hate the Grateful Dead. Which is what makes Jeff Tweedy good. Yeah. <laughs> and what makes Wilco great, because, I mean, I, I, you know, no knock on Grateful Dead fans, or maybe it is, but it's a, uh, I think that's the huge difference for me. It's hard for me to compare the two, because I, I don't like the music of the Grateful Dead, and I... I really like the music of Wilco, but as far as, uh, you know, just building kind of, like an said, like live recordings, yeah, building an independent kind of structure, leaving your record label or, or not needing a record label. And I think, too, it's a band that really kind of, um, you know, followed the technology trends at the right time, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, was aware of all that stuff and, and made the right moves. But in the muddled uh, other albums, I would say, like, I really like all of them. Like, Wilco, the album's good. Star Wars is really good. Whole Love is really good. They're not, like, anchors like those early albums are to me, where I, I actually have, like, an emotional connection to those albums. Yeah. Um, probably what was going on in my life. Yeah, place and time and, and, you know, different things that were happening to me and that I could just... He was a guy that I, you know... Like like Paul Westerberg, to some degree, to mm-hmm. you, for you, or, you know. Um, but... Or Frederick Chopin for me. Yeah, they're really <laughs> right. They're really, they're really good, and they always, you know, um, you know, it's very rare that there's something that I can't listen to that they put out, and, and it's very rare that it's like something that I even would be like, oh, this is a this is a bomb, you know. And even Blue Sky, Blue Sky, like I was saying, songs like Impossible Germany, I really like now, and, and you know, there's other songs on that album that I, I think are pretty good. It's just not my favorite sound by them, but. Um, but the rest, it's like, yeah, there's not really any stinkers. I think they've become a little more comfortable with a formula and, uh, you know, a little less experimental. And I, and I think Jeff Tweedy kind of touches on that in, in something I read recently where, you know, or actually it was a reviewer where, um, you know, the Pitchfork review talks about how, you know, the band's had fans turn on them because they didn't end up being the band that was Radiohead, you know, completely stretching the boundaries of music because... They kind of got comfortable, like, playing in a good way, you know, and, and with what they were mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and writing what they wanted to write. And uh, I've always kind of admired that. And I also think it's a it's a great sound. Yeah. A- um, and I definitely would put Warm up there. I mean, it's funny. Like, I, I think you'll really like this album. It's definitely, you know, not as catchy as some of the stuff we mentioned off the bat. I mean, it's not a singles album. I would just listen to it start to finish because it's short and good. But I, I would also and, uh, say that my favorite songs by... Uh, Wilco are the ones that don't strike me first. I mean, I think my favorite song by them is Poor Places off of uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, and that's not a song that even, you know, that, that felt like filler to me when I when I first heard it. Yeah, you're right, and that's true. And it, it, I think those are that's a mark of a great songwriter, a great band, and, a, uh, and I think a, a, something that you, like I said, you might have heard live and then gone back to it, or um, you just listen to the album again. And I think one of the cool things and this is one of my favorite musical tricks of those who can do it is, is layering in just melody mm-hmm. into either noise or into kind of fragmented sounds. And I think that, uh, Tweety does that really well. He can't help you know? it. He, no, yeah, exactly. And that's what makes him great. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I would say the funny thing the other band that I would say has sort of built its own empire in the same, uh, fashion as Pearl Jam. Right. That's, Absolutely. And yeah. um, again, like people that don't have a, a huge amount in common, but have that, you know, sort of uh, sidestepping the industry and, and being better for it. Um, and well, and I think too, those are both bands, and, and you know, I'm not a Pearl Jam fan, nor are you, but both bands that I haven't listened to a Pearl Jam album since probably you know Vitology or whatever the third album was um, <clears throat> when I was younger. But I bet I would go to a Pearl Jam show and enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think Wilco has that same thing. Like, I know friends, friends of ours who were like, oh, I kind of left them after being there. I wasn't into it after, you know, whatever. But if you went to a concert, you'd be like, oh, that's great. Yeah. And the new stuff sounds great. Yeah. And it's fun to see a band that has a catalog that wide. And I will say one thing about Tweety is he's never shied away from what any album that he's created, which I always thought was fun. Like, you go to a Wilco show... It wasn't like, oh, well, you know, during Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, we don't do AM songs anymore. You know, it's not, it wasn't, a, it wasn't their Pablo Honey, you know, or he anything like that. that. They, yeah, what do you say? He just said that, you know, he knows that there are certain people who fell in love with different parts of his catalog and, and he's not going to, you know, disparage them for it. There's, you know, um, 
But speaking of Pablo, honey, uh, Uncle Tupelo and Radiohead uh, shared a producer and a studio uh, with a friend of the pod, Sean Slade and Paul Coldery, uh produced both uh, Uncle Tupelo and Radiohead early on. So uh, shout out to Fort Apache, which you get several awesome. shouts out in the uh, in the book. So um, Check out our interview with Sean. Yeah. Um, you want to take a quick break and, and come back and end this thing? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, we have been talking about Jeff Tweedy and Wilco and uh, very fondly. Um, one of our favorites, which sounded just like the most NPR <laughs> sentence I've ever spoken in my life. Um, but anyway, do you want to end this podcast like we end every podcast? Uh, Jer, what are you listening yeah, to? Yeah, I'm going to throw... <laughs> I was going to throw it on you, damn it. <laughs> um, uh, all right. I... Um, I've been traveling a bunch for work, hence the fact that I'm recorded poorly here in California. But I um, <clears throat> I just finished a book that I mentioned a few episodes back that I'd started and automatically really fell in love with. So I finished The Mars Room. And um, I don't know, like I can't say, I, I think Wynn nailed it. Like I have no idea how to explain it, um, but just read it. It's fantastic and, and probably one of the best books I've read in a few and years. And yet the logline is simple, but the logline is so... Uh, repellent. I almost don't. Yeah, I almost hate saying it because it would make me not want to read it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I highly recommend. It. I read it a couple months ago, and it is uh, one of my favorite books of the last half decade, easily. Rachel Kushner's Memoirs Room. Rachel Kushner, yeah, it's it's excellent. And then um, I've been listening to um, um, also just you know Tweety's album Warm, obviously um, as a build up for. Uh, this pod and, and just because I'm a huge Tweety fan and I highly recommend that as well and then I've been jumping into um, some of the best albums of the year and, and one that I kind of been uh, while I work sometimes I like to have music going and so um, I jumped into DJ Coz K-O-Z-E which is on a lot of the top lists really that are like popping that. up and yeah and we're going to have our top list coming out here in the next few episodes but um yeah, I do too, and, and like I'm always looking for music that I can kind of just put on and and enjoy, but at the same time not have to focus too hard on. And I, I don't mean that as an insult; it's actually a compliment. And um, it's a great record, and so uh, that'll we'll probably be talking about that soon. Yeah, no, I, I, it's fun. How about you? I put together Sorry. a mix of all, all the you know top albums. A very daunting, um, but you know you sort of I do it almost to check some, certain ones off, and that one just caught my ear the other day, and I'm like, this is great. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's so familiar, and yet it's new, you know? Um, I, I, what have I been listening to? I, I finished The Little Drummer Girl on AMC, a six-part uh, British uh, John le Carre adaptation, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, some of the most fun TV I've seen in a while. Um, and I went to see Bohemian Rhapsody, finally. Broke down and went uh, the other day to a matinee. And um, I was expecting the worst, and it's really fun. <laughs> it's, uh, nice. you know, it's not a great movie, and it's a, it, I mean, I rarely say this because I'm just a critical dick, but um, it is not a good movie. It is a good time at the movies. It is, uh, it's like, you just don't care um, that the chronology is off and that the, um uh, that the the story is is a con, you know sort of a contrivance. Um, the the performances are very good, and 
somebody, you know, I mean, it, it's queen, it's bombastic. It should be seen on a big screen because it, and it, there are more, there's more than one musical music scene that made my, the, the hair on my neck stand up. So there you go. I, cool. I, I am a big, you know, I would take anyone to say, I would tell anybody to see it. And, um, if you don't like it, then you're working too hard. Awesome. So, well, I, uh, I've actually like flirted with it and I haven't pulled the trigger. So now I'm going to have to pull the trigger. Yeah, do it. Um, what song are you going to throw on the playlist? The, uh, the 20, 2018 best songs ever? Uh, I'm going to throw it back to you first. I, I've, I've got to make a, a decision. You're fucking with me. I, um, I'm going to go Wilco actually, and I'm going to go kind of random here because it's, it's really hard for me to pick. And you, this one actually just came up in this conversation, so uh, you may uh, may agree or disagree, but I'm going to throw theologians on. Nice. I like that idea. Um, I am going to go with something I've been wanting to do for a while and haven't pulled the trigger on, which is Sa Plan Pour Moi by Plastic Bertrand. Um, nice. Late 70s, uh, I think, late, like, 79-ish uh, French semi-punk rock song that, of dubious origin. I actually believe it's Dutch, and um, I believe it was done by a couple of, like, older producers in a studio, and Plastic Bertrand is actually a, uh, a made-up um, persona. But uh, just, a, just a song that never doesn't make you happy. And we doing deep cut. Yeah, it was a bit of a deep cut. So Southland Pour Moi by Plastic Bertrand. And uh, that'll do it. Jer, take a, Great. Take a nap well, yeah. and go to work. We will. We'll be back with our uh, best of 2018 and uh, also tweeting out some of our favorite episodes of ourselves Excellent. for 2018. So enjoy. Thank Bye. you. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>